710 ESPN, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, um, with you until noon today and also back tomorrow, uh, 10 to noon, getting ready for Friday night's game against the Blazers. Of course, the Super Bowl, Andy, is on Sunday, so a lot to cover there. Um, and so it was yesterday the Lakers got, uh, back on the floor and they, they had their first full practice since, uh, the death of Kobe Bryant over the weekend. And, um, the, the, the players were given the option to speak. Uh, they did not, but Frank Vogel got in front of, of the, uh, of the media and there were a lot of them. And he talked a little bit about sort of just the, the process of getting back on the floor and what that means. We, uh, we did some things that, that we felt would be therapeutic, therapeutically beneficial. Um, we got in the gym uh, for some, uh, some team shooting work. Uh, no real practice uh, working on anything in particular. I wanted our guys to come in uh, mentally free, uh, but to get a sweat, touch the ball, uh, to, to be around each other. And then, um, and then we had a lunch you know, where we all um, you know, just spent time together and uh, grieved together. Uh, that I should note, uh, is time for Straight Talk Wireless brought to you, uh, Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless as we get ready for, uh, tomorrow's game and look back at what the Lakers did yesterday to get back on the floor. You know, it's, I, you know, like we talked about a little bit about this yesterday. It's like, I, there's no right way, wrong way or whatever, but I know for a lot of people, just the, the process when something terrible happens, Andy, the process of just doing what you do. Even if it's hard, even if it feels different, it's like just getting out and just doing the thing that you normally do is is an important part of 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 the process, so to speak. It's why I think this game tomorrow is a really beneficial thing for the entire Laker organization. Whether you're talking about the players, whether you're talking about the front office, the rank and file members of the organization, Jeannie Bus, everybody, it just you recapture and reestablish even just the slightest bit of normalcy. And it's going to feel weird doing this. I mean, there's no way around that, but it's still weirdness that's a part of normalcy. And everything that you do starts becoming a little bit more normal. And you don't forget about what's happening, but you do you do have to find ways to move forward with you know, with your life and yeah. the things that you do, and this this game, I think, will help a lot. Well, it's like you know, it it it, it can sound callous to say like, well, there's you know, you got to go back to normal, or it's a, it's a new normal. Like it, there is a new normal in Los Angeles. There's a new normal in the Lakers family, and it's a it's a lesser normal, and it's a bad normal. Um, but it is what the world is now, um, and so you know, Frank Vogel actually talked about Andy that aspect of of Friday's game potentially being sort of therapeutic in that way. I think it's therapeutic. Um, you know, anytime you can get out and take your mind off of something like this, uh, th- there's no doubt it will be therapeutic, um, you know, and just, just uh, help with the process of us moving forward. And, you know, in that in that vein, Andy, both uh, Jeannie Buss and Vanessa Bryant's put out statements um, between when we finished. Vanessa Bryant, I believe, yesterday afternoon and Jeannie Buss 
really only a few moments ago. Um, this from Vanessa Bryant is, uh, in an Instagram post. There aren't enough words to describe our pain right now. I take comfort in knowing that Kobe and Gigi both knew that they were so deeply loved. We were so incredibly blessed to have them in our lives. I wish they were here with us forever. Uh, they were our beautiful blessings taken from us too soon. She also talks about some of the uh, foundations that have been set up to honor uh, not just Kobe and youth sports, but also the the, the families affected by the tragedy. Um, people want to do that, then go to mambaon3.org um, to do that. You can go to mambasportsfoundation.org uh, to learn more about uh, honoring Kobe and Gianna we've, uh, through youth sports. I was going to say, we've actually tweeted out that information at Cam Brothers, so if you go to our Twitter feed, you can also find uh, information about that as well. And Jeannie Bus. Um, Everybody being, I, I think the, the Lakers as an organization really had, and I think rightly so, obviously appropriately so, been waiting, you know, on, on the Bryants, um, to take as long as they would need to take, you know, to do whatever they wanted before making a lot of public statements. And, um, I, I don't think it's necessarily an accident that Jeannie's statement followed, uh, Vanessa's. This was on, I, I saw it on Facebook. I, I'm sure it was on a, a bunch of social media. Um, Jeannie Buss talking about Kobe Bryant, and, and I won't read the whole thing, but I think one particular passage that, that people will really identify with, my father loved you like a son, which makes us family. When you invited me to lunch shortly after my father passed away, I was struggling to find motivation and purpose, Kobe. You brought Gianna with you to spend some time with me. You explained that you wanted to show her that women could be leaders in the NBA just like the men. At first, it seemed like an action of a devoted father setting an example for his daughter. But in actuality, and I'm positive, and I'm positively sure you knew exactly what you were doing, what you did was to give me the inspiration and strength that I was searching for. So uh, another moment where, you know, people recognize kind of the, the, the Kobe's ability to, to send messages and do things and, and reinforce things for you and um, build you up in ways that, that are, are important. Well, I mean, in Jeannie's case, when she eventually made the decision to fire her brother and fire Mitch Kupchak and really move in a very different direction than her father had envisioned from this organization for this organization. Kobe was one of the people who told her, "Look, you are in charge. Ultimately, you have to do the things that you think are necessary even when they are the hardest things." And, and for all of these people very- under like she fired right. her brother for, for all of the public disagreements and dysfunction that was obvious between Jim and Jeannie Buss, and it was untenable for the organization moving forward. And a lot of the misgivings that she had towards Jim were justified. You're still firing your brother, right? And it was it was said, and people forget too. It's not just oh well, well they didn't they didn't get along. What's the big deal? I I could fire my brother. You know, I mean, I would. My but like, God, have I, I mean, looked for the opportunities? Is there ever I mean, just, a chance to fire your own? If there brother. was ever a time where I wish that our family wasn't close and like our parents wouldn't care, I mean, I'd have fired you years ago. But it just would have been devastating I'll do for it him the, before the end of the segment, if I could. <laughs> but like this is coming up in the eleven o'clock hour. <laughs> this is what it's not just like oh, I'm making a choice as a basketball executive that Jeannie had to do. This is what her father right. said. I'm, I'm making a decision as a daughter, right, to undo the work and the the wishes of my father, and to, you know, I, I, you can't underestimate that. Yeah, so, no, I, I was thinking about, too, like several years ago, because, you know, we were talking about how 
this is the new normal for the Lakers. And with time, they will eventually start finding more comfort and ease within that new normal that is not particularly easy and is not particularly comfortable. It reminded me of several years ago when Dr. Buss passed away. And obviously, the circumstances were different. Uh, Dr. Buss had been dealing with health issues for a while. But there was still that question of how do the Lakers move forward without the visionary leadership of Dr. Buss? Mm-hmm. And it was not easy on a lot of levels. I mean, you you could argue that just the last couple years or so have really been them being able to move forward in, in a way that is functional, but you eventually find it. And, you know, it's not exactly an apples-to-apples no, comparison there's, there with Kobe. No, but there are parallels. There's absolutely parallels. Um, so let's let's actually let's, let's do that next. Straight Talk Wireless, everything for less, only at Walmart, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, so let's do that next. Let's talk about that that kind of path forward and, you know, filling that void and, and what that means for the Lakers when they take the court on Friday uh, against the Portland Trailblazers at Staples Center, the first game. Uh, following the death of Kobe Bryant, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, seven ten ESPN. They have this. Uh, they call it, it's called crashed ice, the Red Bull thing, where it's like a downhill course for ice skating. Like guy, like hockey players, you're just in your gear and you're skating down the thing. Okay, I don't know if I could have done that. <laughs> I, there's, I don't know where these sports come from, but man, this looks like fun. I would love to be on like the brainstorming committee for the people who just come up with the crazy events at Red Bull because you you and I actually have done, yeah, done some, some freelance work sure. for Red Bull like I I did this was a really really fun I don't know if they still do it but they do this tournament uh basketball event called King of the Rock where you play a basketball tournament on the court at Alcatraz you have like a, a lot of I think like semi pro players or you know guys like it's and one and stuff like that. For my game, yeah, you know, and and way I, my style. Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, who I don't know if he still is a Red Bull athlete, but it, I know he was one for a while, and he hosted this, and I went there to write about it. It was really fun and really intense. I, These guys took it seriously because the, it was a cash age, prize. Yeah, in the age of like the internet, computer design, like three D printing, and all these. The, the 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 like being in the inventing sports business it's probably never been better yeah like you can do all kinds of fun oh, absolutely stuff. especially um, too when you're when you're an outfit like red bull where the whole idea is okay we have to exist outside the mainstream and outside crazy, the big drawer um so brian kamenetsky andy kamenetsky 710 espn uh good stuff coming up on today's show we've got uh andy bernstein the legendary nba photographer um, he's going to share his thoughts and remembrances about Kobe Bryant. Just you know, somebody who's with and around Kobe. They've collaborated for together too. yeah for the entirety of his career. Collaborated on a bunch of things. Uh, Kirk Morrison is going to join us at eleven thirty to talk about the Super Bowl. Guests appear uh, guests appear on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. You, we were talking before Andy about the uh, this sort of the void that was left when Doctor Bus died and Jeannie in her uh post today about kobe kind of refer- referenced that and the way that kobe helped fill that space and gave her some strength and kind of stealth confidence to go out and like you know this is your thing now you can go do this um it's not the same but there's like another thing the lakers got to go and do and and uh, avoid that they have to fill and really it it to me it feels like that 
is what the role of LeBron James is going to be going forward. And, and not to replace Kobe, but to understand and, and kind of carry forward the organization in a lot of ways. And I wouldn't want that gig, but if you got to give it to anybody, LeBron is the best guy I can think of. Yeah, I've been thinking about that for a piece that I plan to write for The Athletic, just how it's equal parts responsibility, burden, and honor for LeBron. And look, like the idea of becoming the next franchise face for the Lakers post Kobe is always like a, a daunting and in some ways like a can't win type gig. Right. You almost need someone like LeBron who is so far kind of elevated yes. and, and made. That, yes. Like, exactly. You remember, you remember like when. You know, there was Carmelo Anthony, LaMarcus Aldridge, or some of these other LeBron, like, LeBron before he joined. Right. Like, but, but really good, like, I'm just saying, but like, really good players. Yes. Like Marcus Aldridge is an all, you know, he's been an all star, correct? Like, he's, yeah, he's so. a yeah, multiple time all star, yeah. And Carmelo Anthony is obviously Carmelo Anthony. Like, these are not, you know, just dudes around the league, but like, you kind of wonder, like, do, do you want to step into that? Like, is that it, what you want? It is like in a you lot needed of, almost somebody as big as LeBron. Right. It is in a lot of ways. I mean, it's pretty thankless in certain ways just trying to be a franchise face for the Lakers, period. Mm-hmm. Because when you look at that history, you look at the names that are up in the walls at either the practice facility or at Staples Center. Like, like people think of Gail Goodrich. You're like, eh, he was all right. Like, Gail's in the Hall of Fame. Right. Gail Goodrich. Like, I, I want to preface this by saying, obviously, I don't mean this in any disparaging way. It's just you, you go through the, right, the he's rankings. Like the worst guy. Like when Gail Goodridge or Jamal Wilkes are the bottom of your barrel. <laughs> My James, God. When you put your starting five out there, James Worthy isn't on it. Right. That's insane. James Worthy. That is how great the history you are joining and like the history you're trying to match. But then all of that gets magnified like a million fold being on the heels of Kobe, who is arguably the gloat. He is arguably the yes. greatest Laker of all time. And he you know, he has the type of By the way, fan. did you see that among the the things that, that people have been in the the, the the mariachi bands, all these awesome celebrations. Oh, it's been great. But the uh the, somebody actually brought a goat. Yes. Like they br- little, they brought little, an actual goat, goat, goat in, in in like you said, a sweater. I yeah. wouldn't even how do you get a goat? Uh, how do you get a goat in a sweater? Like Greg, how you're a producer. How would you get a goat? Uh, you would go to a farm. It's the best I, it's the best I got for you. Byog. Where do you get a goat? <laughs> like, I mean, do you do you rent the goat? Do you have to purchase? You, oh, Jorge. <laughs> you know how to get a goat? Too on the nose. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> Some people have them as pets, man. <laughs> you want a goat? <laughs> if I'd known, I'd have brought. I was like, what you this morning? Do, do you need a goat that. by eleven? I, I can get this. <laughs> no, it's like that scene in Lebowski. Right, a toe. I can get you a toe. I got a goat guy. People have them as pets and whatnot. So I've seen them at some of my friends' houses. Jorge's not impressed. On a, <laughs> at all <laughs> relative to other animals like you know you walk this is la you walk around seeing a dog in a sweater is not unusual I, i've seen cats dressed up they don't seem to like it how hard is it to put a sweater on a goat i mean I tried I, it, man. i'll say this <laughs> he's like that's where my expertise dude, ends. i i have a cat and getting uh, my daughter loves to dress try to dress the animals in different outfits you know the dog will do whatever you ask dogs mm-hmm. are always cooperative Cat's not easy. No. 
And goats are known for being stubborn. I remember when Andy and I used to live together. And when I first moved, when I first moved to LA, Andy and I shared an apartment. And there was a point which we were wasn't having, that adorable. Like, no, well, <laughs> um, we 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 had a uh, a day where our apartment was getting fumigated or something. Yes, like that. oh yes. And so all the pets had to go. And Andy had have the cat. We were just sitting out at Pan Pacific Park all day. Andy had the cat on a leash. <laughs> And this cat was hum- this oh, it was, cat it was so it, embarrassed. Yeah, this was an indoor cat, so the cat was never outside. The cat didn't like it, and at some point, cat had to go number two, and the cat was not used to doing this anywhere but a litter box. And you could see this poor cat, Phoenix, R.I.P., was just holding it and Shout holding it and holding it, and finally had to go outside. And you, this cat looked embarrassed, <laughs> so embarrassed. and humiliated, and and well, like cats was being degraded. Cats, cats on a leash is not okay. Oh, this cat was Phoenix was so miserable. Yeah, I got laid off that morning too. I lost my job that morning. It was not a good day. You had a cat on a leash, couldn't go home, pardon <laughs> being fumigated. <laughs> but look at us now. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's all. It's all could turn out just, just great. bridging the gap until Sedano gets his show back. Living the dream. We don't have to wrap. We have another minute, Greg, don't we? You do, but no, Greg's like, no, 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 wrap. Right? I think wrap is the right choice. <laughs> no, from a uh, you know a producer. Saying, Fine, we'll wrap. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, again, Andy Bernstein coming at eleven. Kirk Morrison at eleven thirty. But we'll, we'll continue this 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 talk about like LeBron and what comes forward. He's like. Trade deadlines next week, and they got a three and a half game lead on the Clippers. Like, there's a lot of basketball left to get into, plus some really big NBA news that actually could impact the way the Lakers look over the next few years. All of that coming up. Uh, Kamenetsky Brothers, seven ten ESPN. Now, Sharper Image and Brookstone were co- were competitors, and you would go in and you'd try to figure out which one would have the coolest stuff. Um, and like the you go try to like how long can you sit in the, in the massage chair before they throw you out? Like all that. I sat in there in the mall for hours <laughs> because that's what you did when you were a teenager. That's right. I had a job, a mall job, <laughs> and last I week would go on my breaks. I thought that was good. Um, time for Straight Talk Wireless, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Um, or time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> the first way didn't not make sense. The second way makes more sense. You guys are such professionals. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Throwing Paper at me because he has no idea what's happening the whole time. Hey, we're, we're, le- we're learning together. Did Greg yeah. just we're say growing together or two? <laughs> go to break. Go to break. That you was know the what? Segment. Guys, go back. Talk about the goat some more. Um, so, you know, the, it's it. we're at that point where, and I, I don't, I feel bad for everybody in this process, obviously for Rob Palenka, Andy, who didn't just, you know, lose Kobe. Like, Kobe was his best friend. Like, this is not, like... You know, any kind of like pretense or anything like, like this is who Kobe was to him. So, you know, he's got to go do his job going forward into next week. Lakers have a very small staff. Like this is not one of these giant operations where, you know, the assistant GM and whatever can pick up the slack a little bit for the next few weeks, you know, a couple weeks or whatever and consult Rob on the big things. Like Rob is kind of doing these things himself and that's the structure of the, of the front office. I also don't feel for the guys who have to call him. I that part of this is going to be so awkward. The the other twenty nine GMs around the league who, in doing their due diligence, if they are interested in Kyle Kuzma, if they're interested in having the Lakers be a part 
of some larger deal, whatever it may be, the idea of having to negotiate with Rob Palinka right now, you know, like the idea of trying to get the best deal with Rob Palinka and going back and forth. I mean, you want to talk about your unpleasant call to make? And, and, and all these guys around the league know that. Oh, for sure. They're all going to be cognizant of it. And that is going to be incredibly. Why? You're, you are going to feel like a heel just making Completely. that call. I mean, we've been doing this sort of all week. It's like, you know, there are people that, you know, this, this is the job. This is what we do. You, you reach out to people. Would you, are you able to talk? Would you like to share stories? I mean, you feel like a jerk because you yes. know people are, are, are mourning and we're trying, you know, I don't want to say we're trying to fill airtime, but you know, we're, we're trying to, present a product to people and well, also and, there are people listening people want to hear stories i was going to say to there are people the, right. listening i mean we, and this has been extremely flattering but all week we as a station i individually have heard from people saying thank you Th- this has been this helpful helps. for me yes and part of that help for a lot of people is going to be hearing from people who knew kobe well who had that type of relationship who can s- expand beyond what people like you and me, Brian, who covered Kobe, and we were around we Kobe a lot. Kobe. Right. Like Andy Bernstein coming on at 11 o'clock right. had a, re- a real friendship. But, but there have Kobe. been people that you and I can reach out to really easily that we've had as guests before on our podcast, on our air, you know, for the athletic, whatever, that I haven't heard back from, mm-hmm. from the reach out that I did. And I get it. I take no offense to it whatsoever. I didn't even like sending the no, message. No, you don't. And actually, Cassidy Hubberth, you know, uh, does you know the a lot of the shows for ESPN, a lot of sideline stuff in the NBA broadcast. I thought did something really cool yesterday in the broadcast with with Kyrie Irving. Actually, asked him, "Are you okay talking about Kobe?" Before she asked the questions about Kobe. So, I mean, there are those sort of moments of empathy. I think that yeah. you know people can show, but you still have to even ask that. Like, you can't not. Ask the question. Yeah, I mean, this this is going to be a really awkward dynamic for all the people that would be dealing with Rob Palinka. But then also, too, there's the evaluation period for Palinka of, okay, this team has collectively been through something brutal. Right. And they are in the process of leaning on each other to get through this because you know tragedy. you know before this happened Andy, they had an idea of like here's how, how we want to get if we can get better in these three yeah. ways by giving up you know x y and z it's worth it to us and all the talk of the chemistry of the team and and those things that was something they were gonna have to consider they anyway. were gonna have to consider it anyway everything now changes 180 degrees of you know of 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 the context of of what you do in terms of figuring out chemistry because you know, does it if you remove this player, if you add this guy, can you put in can you drop another person from outside into this environment? Can you put does that person, you know, is it matter if it come from another team? If if it's Nick Collison who kind of is from the area and grew up Darren around it, Dar- I don't sign Nick Collison, don't trade for him. He was once a really good player. Don't do it now. Um but if you get Darren Collison He's from this place. You know, he's from the area. He, you know, grew up watching. Co- like, does that? Ma- right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't does, know. Does it matter if you bring in somebody that had a relationship with Kobe? I mean, and I don't know the answer to any of this. And, I don't, and they don't. They really don't have the time to figure it it's out. It's just. It's. But unfortunately, this is the job. These are the tasks at hand, and they don't change. Unfortunately, like you don't get a break. Like I mean, the the break that, if you even want to call it that, that they've had in between. Kobe's death and the eventual game tomorrow 
that's as long a break as you can possibly get. And then at some point, you just have to keep moving forward. Um, so the Lakers play Saturday or Friday. They play Friday in uh, in at Staples Center against Portland. They play Saturday in Sacramento against Luke Walton and the Kings in another game that's going to be, you know, sort of a very emotional thing. Luke Walton has spoke at, at length the last time the the Kings played earlier this week, and but you know that wasn't for the LA media. So a lot of these things are going to come back up again. Um, and then we're you know it's not. Too long. It's another about a week and a half or so. There's a few days until the uh, the trade deadline, and then another few days until the All Star break. So they, I feel like if you can get there, you know, that's when you can, everybody can kind of stop and breathe and take stock. But if there was ever a year where you wish the trade deadline was after the All Star break and not before it, this would certainly be it. Yeah. Um. So uh, it just is what it is. I mean, and and look, the idea for Rob Palinka, as emotional as this may be, maybe the idea of being forced to go back into your job might be a little helpful for him. Just the idea of like, look, I have to go into bunker mentality. Yeah, I don't have any other choice. Uh, that was Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Everything for less, only at Walmart. Um, make Dodgers, Andy. You've been uh, trolling around the the Twitter machine this morning, and yeah. the uh, I like to stir things up. There's some there's some stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing that now. We do that when we come back, or we do it now. Right, we, right, right. You now. can do that now. Yeah, Thanks for doing this on the now. air, yeah. uh, Andy. You, this is you now. This is where I you say, "Hey, this is what's happening with the Dodgers." Oh, I, I, I thought Brian was setting up a tease. No. It sounded to me like he was actually setting up a tease to the next segment. This whole process of the addition of reads and the addition of new paper has thrown the whole thing off. In any event, <laughs> sagging forward, uh, there has been news reports that the Dodgers could be in a realistic position to acquire Mookie Betts before opening day and enhance their lineup by a lot. And but that then, would be bringing general. Most of the deals have them taking on David Price and and this that that and whatever would enhance their payroll. It, well, you know, David, all David Price makes a lot of money, and he's not that good. Um, I am all for spending the Dodgers' money, so I'm okay with this. Mookie Betts is going to make tons. Um, again, I'm okay with it. Uh, Andy McCulloch for The Athletic put out a potential opening day lineup. Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, Justin Turner, Cody Bellinger, Jock Peterson, Corey Seager, Gavin Lux, Will Smith, um, presumably Walker Bueller as the opening day starter. That's a lineup. It's a really good lineup. Now, what goes out the door? Like, that's that's well, the well. That's part of the question too, and, and I think that gets affected in part by: Are you taking on David Price? Because if you take on David Price, you're doing a bigger favor for Boston. If you're not taking on David uh, David Price, you're going to have to end up giving up more. You know, in this theoretical lineup that Andy McCulloch threw out, Gavin Lux is still there. And Gavin Lux has been one of the big names bandied about in terms of a potential deal. For uh, Mookie Betts, also interesting, Corey Seager in the lineup as well. The McCulloch threw out there so because I, a lot of people thought if it's not Lux, it's going to be Seager. So now you're talking about pitchers then, I assume, Greg. Like May goes out and Tony Gonsolin. Uh, Gonsolin. Maybe more Gonsolin. It's going to be – they have a really – the Dodgers have a very strong farm system. Oh, yeah. So, but you're still going to want – if you're giving up Mookie Betts, even with attaching David Price, you're still going to want some of that. Here's stuff. the thing. So Mookie Betts is going to get paid in the offseason and this coming up next offseason. And – Boston obviously doesn't want to pay him. You're paying David Price a ton of money, so they're going to want more controllable assets, and those assets are going to be more 
uh, guys in the minor league system. So you're probably giving up three, four really good minor leaguers opposed to giving up guys like Jock, Seager, Lux. They don't go. Maybe Jock goes in one of those deals to, to fix the but you got to pay. But Jock is going to be... I mean, he's controllable for a little bit, but he's still no. He's he's about, he's about to get paid too, right? So you'd have expensive. to pay him. Yeah, so they're not. Gonna, and Corey Seager is right there too, about to get paid. So Seager's not going to be one of them guys they want. Also, so you go into the minor league system and you grab a bunch of the minor, the good minor leaguers, guys like Kieber Ruiz, Josiah Gray, you know, maybe even uh, Jeter Downs, some of the bigger names that are out there. But the, I would, and Tony Gonsolin would probably be a part of that too. You keep Dustin May, you keep Gavin Lux, you keep Corey Seager. God, if you could do those things, let's. They got to figure something out here. So I. What are you willing to give up for bets? Like, where is the line? If if you have to, if you, especially if you have to take on price, Dodgers making moves. Uh, it's brought to you by LinkedIn. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. Let's figure out like where that line is. Cause I, I Dodgers have been flying under the radar and, uh, they have not done anything. And it's about, it's high time that they did because if you ask the fans, it spring is. training is going to roll around and the, the, this sort of thing where nobody's watching the Dodgers is going to stop and they're going to notice that the team is no different than it was at the end of last year and they're not going to like it. We'll do that next. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, 710 ESPN. 710 ESPN, Kamenetsky brothers, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, uh, Andy Bernstein coming up in about 15 minutes, legendary NBA photographer Kirk Morrison at 1130. Help us get ready for the Super Bowl. Guests appear via the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Dodgers, I mean, I, I realize, you know, obviously this week, you know, has, has been something completely different. But, you know, the, the Dodgers have flown under the radar since this, you know, the, the big free agents went around, you know, Rendon signed somewhere, and the, they're not making the trades and, and all these other things. Well, I mean, actually, I, I'm going to correct you. The Dodgers have not flown under the radar. We've paid a lot of attention to just how screwed they got. Well, that's true. I mean, we've been paying a lot of attention to the Dodgers, it, just not the moves right. that been, they've made. It's been sympathetic. Like, right. It, it, it's just been through the prism of... I hadn't thought about that. Those guys got royally screwed minimum once, maybe twice. But now it's getting towards time where people are going to be noticing, like, hey, absolutely. what about 2020? Well, look, I mean, look how already, are you shoring up your lineup for the next team that cheats against you? Exactly. They're already really good. It's not the, the issue. The question isn't whether or not the Dodgers are good. They are good. They, they roll back the exact same team, you know, more or less as they had last year. Obviously, Rich Hill is gone, but he didn't do anything really last year anyway. Uh, Hunjin Ryu is a, is a loss. There's no question about that. Uh, but you, you know, whether it's May or Gonsolin, combinations, those Uria, full season of Urias in the rotation, whatever my, I just have enough pitching. Um, I'm not terribly worried about that. Like this is, this team is the best team in the National League West. They're going to win the division again. But we, we saw last year, they're short bullpen arms. They're short something in the lineup because Bellinger and, and, and Seeger And we've won actually it. seen over the years with the Dodgers specifically how much a lack of confidence in your bullpen will lead to decisions uh, by Dave Roberts that end up getting questioned, removing the fact that, you know, you may, those guys right, may, you have, may question Dave Roberts making the decisions. Well, but. I was going to, Dave, you may question some of Dave Roberts' decisions. You may also now view those uh, questions through the prism of the the batters knew exactly what was coming. Right, but that's true. But I mean, but like you made Kenley last year, like you can't. The bullpen's not well, the really best of my knowledge. 2019 were, but, was clean, but right, Kenley still, you know, didn't wasn't full Kenley. You know, you got, and, and so you're not getting. Clayton better. Kershaw had his issues. You're not getting better. Yes, um, in that 
part of your, of your team, and they haven't done much to improve it. And so now you're going to roll into spring training, and bullpen arms you can find. I mean, they've done historically the, the job of being able to fill out the bullpen, but if you have an opportunity to go get Mookie Betts, where do you draw the line on prospects? I mean, like, Greg, is there is there is there a place where if they, you know, you talked about it, it's all guys currently in the minors, the, the Josiah Grays, you know, Kiebert Ruiz, if you like Will Smith, is kind of redundant anyway. I mean, you have and you have another the, there's a third catching prospect that's yeah, really Diego good. Yeah, Diego Cartaya. You've got three of them. You don't need all three. There's actually another guy, Connor Wong, who's down there as well, who's yeah, supposed you, to be good. Now you're just showing off. <laughs> I don't know if that's a real person. <laughs> I can just up make people. up names. You could. But yeah, Greg's there's, like one of those guys who shows off all the indie bands that he knows right. <laughs> in, in the club. No, those the bands played a couple times on Sunset. Greg's familiar with all of their. Greg, yeah, I, I like them before they were cool. Actually, Greg listens to bands that don't even exist yet. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but but like, no, where you, do you draw the line? You, do, uh, you draw the line at guys like Gavin Lux and Dustin May, who you've now proven that they can do they can do something in the major leagues. They were amazing in in AAA. Dustin May was a huge part of of the playoff games. I don't want to say run because they left in the first round, but and, and Gavin Lux had a home run and he was just tore up AAA. Those guys are absolute stars that are going to and Andrew Friedman believes they're going to be stars. You don't move them, you right? Don't but but at the them. same time, though, what you're describing with Lux and May, those are the same prospects that you say you now begin with in terms of negotiating for Mookie Betts because uh, all of the all of those guys at one time or another. Are I mean, Gavin, Gavin, Lux, Lux. Gavin Lux is under uh, under team control for another six years? I don't. I don't. You don't move him. I, no, but I, but I'm saying if I'm the Red Sox and you want Mookie Betts, well, that's I, where that's where David Price comes into into play. You don't move if David Price comes over here. You do not move Gavin correct, Lux because now you're taking on all that salary. Yeah, right, right. Okay, but let's just say the Dodgers, for whatever reason, don't want to take on David Price's salary, and they're more willing to give up. The younger guys, and you know, a guy like Lux, a guy like May, more established. But Andrew, you're not, but Andrew, you maintain the the payroll flexibility. Yeah, Andrew Freeman has already said though he's not moving Gavin Lux. He made it very clear. But th- he's then not. here's, but then here's the issue though that I wonder with this front office is when will they ever be willing to move great prospects? Well, because they, last well, the difference is you know, Lux. I don't think they consider Lux a prospect. Right, but they weren't Lux willing they to move. But they the, weren't willing to move them last year. Right. So this year's great prospects are last year's Lux and May. Well, but yeah, they're but the same thing. They were they refused. Andrew Freeman refused to to move Cody Bellinger. He refused to move Walker Bueller. I, he refused to sure. move Corey Seager. Right. He refused to move these guys. I get that. And but they won 106 games last that's year fine, because of it, his mind and being able to understand. No, that. I understand that. But also too, at the time, you have to remember at the time when he wasn't willing to move Bellinger and Seager and and Walker Bueller. That was also when the team was old. And they actually needed to start getting younger again. This team is actually fundamentally much younger. Where are so, the holes? Where are the holes on this team? The holes are at second base and pitching. So your two main, that's second base, I, Gavin Lux, pitching Dustin Fine, May. But so it's, you're actually it is harder, in my opinion, it is harder to win a World Series than it is to find a Gavin Lux, particularly if you're mm. the Dodgers See, and I, they continually no, find I, the everybody. Prob- the problem with that is, though, too, is like Mookie, ba- it, Mookie Betts, in his best seasons, is probably worth six or seven wins. Like, like maybe. Like that, that's yep. an enormous figure for a ba- for a baseball player over 162 games. So, if in a playoff series, in a playoff you know run, whatever it might be, three, four series, fifteen games, sixteen games, he might be worth a game and a half or two. And so, Lux, 
and those guys in May. And when you start trading too many guys off your major league roster, even for someone like Mookie Betts, I, I think you can make a really solid Fine, argument. You're my, actually making my, your odds that's worse. Fine, but to my win concern, World but I'm not talking specifically moving Gavin Lux for bets. I'm talking about moving the guys who represent the oh, next Gavin Ruiz? Lux. Go. That, no, but but last year Lux and May and those guys were in a lot of ways the type of prospects we're talking about because last year in the playoffs, and this was something I knew would happen because we saw it the year before with Urias, Lux and May were pretty minor figures in the playoffs. None of them really made any type of impact. None of them really did much. Gonsolin wasn't even on the playoff roster. And the fact of the matter is those guys were on the playoff roster and did get the experience of playing in the playoffs. But the point being, though, they didn't make any type of impact in the playoffs to win a World Series. And who didn't didn't they go get? It was um, Vasquez. Vasquez. Right, but nobody knew at the time the reasons you wouldn't get Vasquez. The Dodgers didn't even know the reasons. But but would would Vasquez have won them that series? I don't know. I mean, the bullpen bullpen help might have helped them. Bullpen help absolutely might have helped them. I don't think the way that series played out, I don't think that's what kept them from winning. Bullpen having the option, though, of not having to always be with Jansen, not having to have Kershaw as long. I mean, I'm sorry. Bullpen help would have changed some of that equation. Maybe. We'll see. Um, All right. Andy Bernstein coming up next. Legendary NBA photographer, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Kamenetsky Brothers 710 ESPN.